Hello, and welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. We're your weekly reading club. We're just like Sue Storm. We love a good read. That time around, I said read twice in close proximity. Not the way the intro is supposed to go. It wasn't my smoothest read ever, but it was a read and an intro nonetheless. And it's it's still a welcome. You know, I, that's the most important part of it. You have, you've been officially welcomed to the club. And, you know, per the intent of the joke, a non-smooth read Richards is probably a comic book accurate read. Oh, that's yeah. Right. Ooh, you saved me. <laughs> you close just, close call i just got bailed out by vargas you're going for accuracy <laughs> speaking of vargas he's vargas i'm mike d and we're going to be guiding you on the mothership fic this week uh greg is out oh we missed last week because there was a sickness abound and uh, this week is is no different. There's still a bug going around Greg's house. So sorry we missed an episode. Uh, uh, sorry we were missing Greg today. But Vargas and I will do our best to bring bring a little bit of that charming gentleman's goofball energy to the podcast. Keep his spirit alive uh, in a, in a digital audio sense. I can sing a song just like Greg always <laughs> sings. Me is a blessing in disguise. It's just sometimes. <laughs> right. Every once in a while. You get a little reprieve. Uh happy Marvel's Day. Yes. Captain Captain Marvel released as of our recording. Um it is what Thursday at 9 30 right now. I went to a five o'clock showing right after work. I was extremely excited. And I'll I'll keep it spoiler free. But I did want to give some immediate reactions here. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. I'll start with part of the reason I wanted to give an immediate reaction was I was just seeing a lot of stuff online that was like uh, the Marvels doesn't perform well. It's opening weekend. And, you know, as you know, if you're listening to this and you're, you're a comic book fan, the movie hadn't even come out by the time like these articles were being published. And I think we're having... We're suffering now in a in a news cycle from AI and SEO engines basically giving us article titles that people want to see and that people want to clip uh, click on, and then articles are being written to those to gain attention. And it's sad that I think the algorithm gods are saying, "Don't go see this movie before." <laughs> The movie's even out because, like, people just want to see uh, shit like this not do well. I, I constantly hear that the first Captain Marvel movie was a flop when I'm talking with other comic book fans about that movie and its perception. That movie made, I think, $1.13 billion. <laughs> That's not yeah. a flop. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a little bit of, like... I've I've been testy all week kind of building up to seeing this movie and I really you know wanted to like it and see something that was awesome because there's just some I'm one I'm a I'm a card carrying member of the Carol Corps big fan yeah. and then and then two there's just like the whole narrative with like 
Rotten Tomatoes having to change the way that they allow fan reviews because people were reviewing things based on the fact that it was a movie they didn't want to see, not on how good or bad a movie was. And Captain Marvel in 2019 was like the main impetus for Rotten Tomatoes changing how these things get voted on by fans. And that's really sad that it was uh, people don't want to see strong women in in films and they want to see those things fail. Um, Despite the fact that it's just like, you know, those movies, you know, I I think the character, once you take a look at Kelly Sue DeConnick's run does uh, has, has a feminist lean to it, of course. Yeah. But neither of those movies are like, preachy feminist you know manifestos that you know people make them out to be i think i would have like enjoyed a feminist like if the movies were more feminist i think i would have been more like fuck yeah but um they're not necessarily that i think a lot of people put a lot of uh stuff onto those movies for for better or worse in any case long rant Again, I've been doing a lot of this week in lead up to say, I thought this movie was fantastic. I think it's my, I think it aligns next to, or is right under Guardians 3, as far as like movies I've enjoyed the watch, the experience uh, for post uh, Endgame. Sure. So it's 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 definitely one of the better um, Marvel movies that we've seen in recent years. It was it's very fun. It I don't think it takes itself too seriously. It's very breezy. It's probably the shortest Marvel movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It does, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't feel tedious ever. If I had to knock it for anything, it would be that. You know, they pulled two characters out of television. Sure. To make kind of a, uh, maybe not necessarily a big screen debut for for all of them, but uh, certainly Amon Vellani's uh, first um, MCU appearance was, was in this. And really cool to see all those characters on screen. But if you're not somebody who's like steeped in the MCU, there's a little bit of what's going on here and there. Um, but that being said, my wife went and saw it with me and she hasn't seen, um, you know, Miss Marvel on, on Disney plus or, uh, WandaVision. Yeah. And she had a good time with it still. So if you go into it thinking fun superhero movie and like what a comic, what kind of you expect like a modern day comic movie to be, that's like quippy at parts doesn't take itself too seriously pulls at your heartstrings a little bit when it needs to um i think it was a super did a super effective job at that and then i'll say banger post credit scene <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> absolute banger post credit scene that's so, what we're here for try to yeah try to see it before that gets uh spoiled for you cuz that was a fun fun moment in the theater cool um yeah i saw not to like harp on it but i saw a lot of like 
very disingenuous takes on this movie that's like not barely out yet (laughs) The, the worst one i saw was a guy who posted a picture of like the the seat selection th- screen on an uh you know fandango or whatever yeah um and his his the tweet was nobody cares about this movie but like the screenshot was from a showing thursday at 3:30 in the afternoon <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like it's like yeah what what are you talking about like I, yeah I think I think the there's a problem too with how much this stuff like that is getting posted. Yeah. That it's probably going to hurt whether people make the decision or not to go see this movie because people want it to be bad. They're telling you it's bad before they've seen it or before anything's come out about it. And so you're thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to go see this because of all this, you know, negative speak about it." Yeah. Um but like I said, I thought it was I thought it was great. I've seen a couple other like actual fan reactions to stuff that people, you know, really enjoyed the movie. Um, just I would say take anything with a grain of salt if you've seen it from especially from quote unquote fans yeah. prior to Thursday when the movie came out. Like I read yeah. so much bad stuff about this movie before the movie even came out that like was in my opinion, like completely unfounded. Well, it's good to hear that that movie is good. Cause I, I thought the trailer made it look like a lot of fun and it's, I'm glad to hear that it, it is, it is a lot of fun. So yeah, I think funds, funds, the, the keyword. If you go into it, just thinking like, this is a fun movie based in the world of, of Marvel. Uh, you'll have a blast with it. Me in particular, I, I absolutely loved it. Cause I'm a, I'm a Captain Marvel um, super fan over here. I I, yeah. Yeah, I went on a, I did a whole history lesson on Captain Marvel on my Instagram today. I pulled out all my uh, Carol Danvers and Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau key issues and um, posted kind of like a year to year. These are the important moments in, in the character and the family's history. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun for me self-indulgent day got to celebrate it sure (laughs) um i had just a couple of news hits before we dive into what we read yeah um i know we talked about it just now on the patreon but i want to shout out um omnibus again because they have announced on their website they're gonna have um iphone support coming late this month and then android support coming in December. So your source for digital comics is coming soon to your pocket. Good on you, Omnibus. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, and the one piece of also Marvel MCU, uh, note that I had here is, um, echo is coming soon to Disney plus Marvel's first M a rated show, uh, looks pretty brutal but the i don't know big news is that she's not going to have any powers oh okay i didn't realize that yep yeah. uh she's just going to be the re- the same maya that we saw in um was that hawkeye 
where she made her appearance. Yes, yeah. So nothing news happened to her between then yeah. and now, I guess. Yeah, she didn't get splashed with like a Ninja Turtles <laughs> ooze truck or anything and, and suddenly gain powers. So that's a daredevil ooze truck. Yeah, it's the same truck. I know, it is the same truck. <laughs> <laughs> I just so, like putting Daredevil's name on it. Yeah. Um I don't know, I think that's kind of cool to see a uh, 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 uh that character get some room to breathe without the I don't know what the word is, the crutch of superpowers. Yeah. You know? Um, right. Because I thought she was pretty interesting, and especially uh, having the show apparently um, kind of play off of her relationship with Kingpin, you know, and and her figuring out who she wants to be, like what kind yeah. of person she wants to be, uh, sounds really interesting. So I absolutely love Vincent D'Onofrio in that role. Yeah, I, I I think it's one of the best things I've seen him in, and maybe that's heresy if you're a um, you know, a movie freak, but I, I thought he was just unreal in in that role, and I'm really excited to see him come back for it. I'm excited to see that there's stuff with Maya as a kid in the trailer, and I'm kind of hoping the series does a lot of like the time jumping throughout the course of the series and not just like here's a 10 minute preamble to give you some back history about Maya. Like I kind of love that dynamic that is, is becoming like a common trope in these action shows where it's like, you're following the past storyline and you're following the present storyline. And then at different points, different parts of those stories collide and, and make for really big moments in the, in the present. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that that show's going to, going to be very cool and who knows maybe she'll get her powers throughout the story yeah um, i'm anyway. I, they didn't show um daredevil at all in the preview for it did they uh there was like a flash of what people are saying is daredevil okay so, he's got to show up right he's probably going to show up yeah uh for sure um, i hope i hope we see a handful of things from I would love to see Electra pop back up or something yeah. like that um, in this in this series. So very exciting. That tra yep. yeah, that trailer's killer. Yeah, it's really good. Um, but that's all I had news wise. Do you have anything? Oh gosh, I've been so infatuated with um, the Marvels. It's like all I can think of. <laughs> Well, why don't I say this because I haven't uh um cuz it's not a first issue per se. Sure. I read I'm going to show Andy the cover here on our on our little Zoom call if I can. Ooh, yeah. So let me. This is Sacred Lamb. Uh-huh. Tim Seeley TKO book. Love and Tim Seeley. I think you would really dig this book in particular. Because okay. it is, it kind of takes a lot of horror tropes and makes like a fun, new, inventive story out of it. Okay. Um, it, this isn't exactly how I, I think the synopsis of the book would translate, but in the spirit of it, it's kind of like, what if a bunch of, 
Oh, it's it. Let, let me rephrase. The government takes a bunch of quote unquote final girls. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with with like horror terminology, a lot of times in a horror movie, like there's one woman who kind of makes it out and sur- and survives the thing. And yeah. then in a sequel, the killer or some alternate version of the killer or a resurrected version of the killer is going to try to get back to that girl that survived. And the U.S. government is taking these women and putting them in a camp because every time the the killers come back, they kill a bunch of other people in in their wake trying to get to the, the final girl girls. again. <laughs> and so That's they're on this incredible. they're on this compound and they've all got their like crazy killer and they do like daily meetings where they try to you know talk their shit out and get over it and then. Of course, at the end, it's a, it's a comic book, so you know there's going to be some sort of comeuppance. All their villains kind of like converge on the camp and find out where they are or resurrected in some way. And then you see all that unfold. It was such a cool graphic novel and uh, easy breezy read. I read it in like an hour or less. So it was a that really fun, sounds fun book. incredible. Yeah, you would really like it. You'll have next time we record in person, you'll have to take this one with you and give it a read. Hell yeah. I've got a handful of other, um, not just a handful. I've got a shit ton of TKO books. They did a half off sale and they'd already kind of discounted. TKO used to charge like $20 a a book for their comics. And I think they repriced everything to like 16. So when they do their sales, everything's like wildly cheap now. So that um, Sacred Lamb was eight bucks a couple days ago. Hell I yeah. got a lot of, they've got a lot of like prose novels now. Uh-huh. And so I picked up four of those. I got Blood Like Garnets. Oh, I've heard by, that's incredible. Yeah, I keep hearing that's good too. And then I was really excited to pick up Displacement, which is a Colin Bunn book. Oh, yeah. And I think it's really fun to get these uh, writers who, you know, I've always traditionally thought of as comic book writers and see what they do in like you know a longer form narrative brood x joshua desart cool and then grave and i uh sloan leong oh yeah so some really pretty books and then witches of world war ii sorry i yeah. don't know how fu- fun this is for people who are just listening to the audio feed that but, I looks mean, so cool yeah i think this one's gonna be awesome um but Paul Cornell, Valeria Burzo, and then Jordi Belair, yeah. of course, doing colors on every, absolutely everything that comes out. Yeah. Um, speaking of, can I just say, side tangent here, uh, why don't I just wrap this up? Black Mass Rising, got Andy yeah. a copy of that, too. It's supposed to be really good. Hell yeah. That's but That Black Mass Rising is like billed as like Dracula 2, right? Like a direct sequel to Dracula. I believe so, yeah. Every time I see that, I think of that um, Midnight Mass show. Yes. The like co- art on the cover even has like the vibe of of that island. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to read that one in particular. Like the graphic design on it is killer. Yeah. But I was going to say, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I was commenting on a 
uh, Leo Romero, a post he did the other day of uh, a p- new panel from Birds of Prey that just came out of Wonder Woman. And Jordi Belair is coloring that. And I don't know if it's done digitally or traditionally, but it's like it's made to look like markers. And then when the colors kind of like meet and overlap, they like vibrate and like haze together. It almost looks like like you're looking at like markers through like an old CRT monitor or like old television. And there's this like hazy vibrate blur between the colors. It is so wild and vibrant looking. I've never seen a comic colored like that. It, it, the first issues of birds of prey really took me back. And I, almost wondered if it was supposed to look like that or if I got like <laughs> one that was printed yeah. weird, but yeah. it's, it's consistently looked like that. And I love it. I think it's so cool. And so I kind of, I commented a little about that on one of his posts and got a conversation going with a couple people that um, a lot of people were thinking the same thing. That's just like, so visually different. So I think if you're a, if you're a fan of colorists and, the impact they can make on a book, like definitely pick up Birds of Prey. Not only is Leo Romero's art absolutely fantastic, but the the palettes on that book are just incredible. Really, I, pretty, I f- really pretty. I to feel look like at. I feel like I say it every year, but the Eisners should just give the best colorist award to Jordi Belair and then say, We're "Yeah, yeah, retire yeah." It for <laughs> yeah, but and the other you know runner up is whoever like. I mean, yeah, it's not fair. It really isn't like when you're stacked up against like, I don't know, just Jordy Belair's insane, like top tier, number one with a bullet. (laughs) They do 85% of comic books that are published. (laughs) And they never do cons, really. I don't think I've ever seen seen Jordy Belair at a at a convention, but. Colorists don't normally do conventions. You come to the planet and we'll talk to you about colors. <laughs> One of the best there is. For sure. Master of the craft. Um, okay. You want to jump into number ones? Let's do it. All right. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I say you go first. I've read. I'm catching up on things. Okay. So I've I've got some books that. We either missed or you are, and Greg covered them and I finally got around to it and I have, I have my take now. So I'll okay. do the kind of like recap and you can do the new newbies. All right. Uh, I'll do the new hotness. One second. <laughs> okay. So this week and Greg read these same ones. So you're not missing anything with him not being here other than his presence and personality and all those, you know, like things that you come to the podcast for. But <laughs> I read um, Petrol Head out on Image and I read Punisher out on Marvel. Hey, um, let's talk about uh, Petrol Head first. This is by Rob Williams and Pi Parr. Um, it is about a <laughs> it's post-apocalyptic and it's about these robots that were built to race cars as like Roman uh, you know, bread and circuses, right? Like placate the masses kind of things. Uh-huh. Um, and then sentiments changed 
because they were polluting the planet too much. So now these robots are like not, well, they're outlawed. They can't come into like the clean air parts of the world. They have to stay yeah. in the dirty air parts. Um, so that's like kind of the elevator pitch, but the story is more about this one like surviving petrol head, which is what they called both the driving robots that spewed the gases and the main character. He is named petrol head. Okay. Um, where he is, you know, kind of the, the gruff, like living in a world that he doesn't, you know, want to live in. Uh, he can't do the thing that he wants to do. Um, but he gets tangled up with this girl and her dad who have created nanobots that will ostensibly like clean up the atmosphere. Okay. Um, but there's also like oppressive government stuff. There's race car stuff. There's family stuff. Um, kind of all wrapped up in, and it is, uh, a pretty beefy book. I think this is probably a 32 pager, uh, priced at four 99, and four ninety nine for an image book, I feel like you're going to get your money worth. Uh, yeah. They don't normally increase their prices like this, but I think it was worth it. It's a, it's a fun read. The colors are really wild, given that this could have just been like dirty brown because it's robots and post-apocalypse. Yeah, I pulled up some of the images from it. It's it's a pretty looking book. Yeah. Um so it's very I, fun, very pretty to look at. I also really respect when someone can do a really good car comic book because they don't always translate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when it's something about like, you know, fast motion and racing and there's some really dynamic scenes with cars and the way that they're blurring the road and the buildings around them adds a lot of action to the page but it's oh yeah we're that's yeah that's that page is great yeah um and to your point too like the the racing scenes this is supposed to be like like pod racing right so each <laughs> each car has to have its own like personality right and that really comes across uh you know, there's like the the crowd favorite. He's got like a speed racer looking kind of thing. Um, and our main character, who's this bum that like nobody really likes, he drives this like kind of a like a 32 Ford pickup truck wrecker junker looking thing. Yeah. Um, so it's just really fun book. Uh, anytime you can find something like this, that's like almost terribly difficult to describe is like why I love reading these number ones for this show. Yeah. Cause it's like, man, I love this so much, but it's not like I can say, Oh, it's like star Wars, but with robots, you know, yeah. it's just so such a unique concept. It almost see when I'm looking at the pictures of it and the world it's based in, it's, it's almost like, between Judge Dredd and Mad Max. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> it looks like for this, sure the vibe. You know, yeah. like the the cities in Judge Dredd, where like they've got the like com the mega city like compounds, and then there's like nothing. There's just like wasteland in between them. Yeah, there's like instead of like the big like apartment stacks, they're like uh, domes. Yeah, they're like greenhouses. Yeah, but with people inside. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense. You would want like an atmosphere, a small atmosphere and and everything like that. It's a good sci-fi concept. Yeah. So. All right. Lots, lots of good stuff in here. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun one. Um, I'm guessing this is going to turn into like a road trip, you know, kind of thing, given that it's yeah. like about cars. I'm guessing, you know, oh, we have to get to Mega City 2. You know, through the <laughs> valley of the evil government robots, which I'm all about it. So, yeah. Petrol head, big thumbs up. Right on. Um, And the other book I read by our main man, David Pepos, was Punisher. Hey. Um, So this is not Frank Castle. This is a former like shield hitman. They imply that he's like, they they call him like the, the grim reaper of shield or something where <laughs> he's like the guy sent out to like tie up shields, loose ends. Um, and obviously shield is shut down right now. Like shield doesn't exist. Yeah. So in classic Punisher fashion, he, somebody that he, you know, whatever, put a hit out on or something comes back at him after he's retired, blows up the house with his wife and kids in it. And he's on the rampage. Not much more. Yeah. <laughs> to explain. Pretty straight, pretty straightforward, pretty straightforward <laughs> Punisher stuff. Um, do we get, do we get any like context surrounding why they chose this guy? Or, like, what is it necessarily that makes him a Punisher or the Punisher? Well, so he is not trying to be the Punisher. Um, he gets called the Punisher because, like, the body armor suit that he wears just happens to look Punisher-esque. Okay. So the news is like... There's a new Punisher in town. Yeah. So somebody was like, oh, he had a skull on his chest. So the news is like, oh, there's a new Punisher. Is Frank Castleback? Is this a new guy? We don't know. Um, but he he as a character is not trying to pick up where Frank left off or anything. Okay. Um, which I think is probably gonna be Marvel's way of just resetting the character. They're yeah. they're the world is still aware that this will be a, uh, like a legacy, you know, like Mr. Fantastic is aware that Frank Castle existed and this new guy is evoking that imagery, but he is a character isn't trying to pick up that crusade. Mm -hmm. He he's, he's still on a very personal mission to figure out who, you know blew up his life literally and figuratively yeah and i think that is where david pepos really shines like his writing is the best when he's telling very 
personal stories. Like he, he's so good at character development. Um, I'm glad he's not trying to do like a Garth Ennis gritty crime thing. Yeah. He's doing, doing a more personal relatable story. Yep. So good stuff. Uh, I'm excited about this. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if this, if this Punisher shows up across the Marvel universe, you know, right in the, in the next year. Yeah. And this is this character's first appearance. As far as I'm aware. Yeah. Joe Garrison is his name. Yeah. I don't think that there's a pre-existing shield character. This is just someone they made up, which you're going to see less and less of someone being like, oh, here's a fun, obscure character. We'll pull out of the closet and give them some new history and backstory because David Pepos and Dave, uh, how do you say his name? Watcher, right? Dave Watcher. um, W-A-C-H-T-E-R. T-E-R, yeah. Wachter. The T's in a new and exciting place. <laughs> the T is in a new and exciting Watu place. Watu the Wachter. Yeah, um, that's right. They are now that character as creators and get some sort of like, you know, payoff or publishing rights or something when that character is reused or put in something else. Boy, one would hope. Um, I know that like there was another book where Colonel Rhodes's niece was set up to basically be Riri Williams. Oh, sure. And and then is it Brian Michael Bendis who created Riri Williams? Uh, yeah. When he was writing Iron Man. Yeah. Um, that they basically scrapped that character that someone else had created and recreated it exact same character for the most part <laughs> and and made her Ironheart and now Bendis owns the rights to that character outright which you know sucks for the other team who you know originally had the idea yeah that's the way it goes interesting yeah it's Punisher um, the other thing I guess of note in this book is we were sort of correct. Um, he does not use like firearms, traditional firearms. He sticks mostly to, well, his, his kind of signature gun in the book is this like rail gun, you know, yeah. like an e- energy kind of gun. Yep. Um, and he uses little like pew pew laser pistols too. So uh-huh. there's definitely, uh, steering away from the actual guns and actual, gun violence. Yeah, actual gun violence stuff and leaning more into uh, a sci-fi character. So, yeah. Something he can set to stun. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> Not that he does. And that's that's the other thing I want to say, too, is like he lights a guy on fire in this book, right? So like this uh-huh. is not... This is not like he is a killer still. Yeah, he's not like going around tasing people, calling himself the Punisher, right? But he's not I mean, glorifying like AR-15s and Yeah, well he's not fetishizing not like, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
Yeah. Okay. So here we go. The the little breakdown calls it uh, John Wick. John Wick meets the fugitive, okay. which is pretty accurate. Yeah. Pretty accurate two, to what it is. So two good fun things. Yeah. So pretty great. David Pepos always knocks it out of the park. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Dope stuff. Nice. Is it my turn? It's your turn, baby. What do you got? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, oh, my. I read out on AWA Mark Russell's Rumpus Room. Hell yeah. This was, I love Mark Russell. Yeah. Um, everything from, I think, his first comic book, Prez, which um, wasn't his original character. That's a DC character that was like a teenager who becomes president. And when did that originally come out? The 60s or 70s? And yeah, that was, yeah. DC was, was doing kind of like a new wave of stuff. And that was the first Mark Russell thing I ever read. And I loved it. And I've been buying his stuff ever since. Not All Robots is fantastic. Everything he does is great. This book is like particularly fucked up. The rumpus room is more or less a room of like, people held captive in this rich man's basement. And for whatever reason, I, I have such a hard time stomaching those like person locked in a basement sort of things. Yeah. They just like make me feel sick to my stomach. And, uh, I mean, this did too. It was effective. I'll say that. Yeah. If, but, if I'm remembering this book, right. <clears throat> it kind of hits you out of nowhere too. Right. Like, yeah. <clears throat> like it's it, a, it, it starts off one way and then takes a hard left turn. Right. Yeah. There's a woman who's looking for her sister who disappeared and she worked at this company that this guy is like, uh, the president of, yeah. And she's like, the company won't give me information. So I tracked you down, came to your house, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, she's a cop. And right. he's just like, get rid of her. And they drug her, put her in the rumpus room, and they have a one-in-one-out one policy. So they kill this other woman who they drag out, and she more or less becomes, like, beauty cream or something. Yeah, I think they there's like... something about him, like, distilling the youth out of people and turning them into, like, age-defying products. Yeah, they, like, crush her down bones and clothes and all right like into yeah. a goo that he like rubs on his face <laughs> that's right it's all so, coming back to me yeah the first issue ends with this new woman kind of waking up from being passed out in this room and then she's freaked out because she doesn't know where she is right and so she reaches into her um you know leg holster and pulls out a gun and everyone in the room that being held prisoner is like, this changes everything. We have a gun in here. Yeah. So the next issue is going to deal with them deciding how do we want to, what plan do we make? How do we move forward now that yeah. we have a gun on our hands? Cause we could, you know, overpower some people now potentially. Yeah. So I thought that was like a really interesting cliffhanger to be like, here's the situation. Here's the room. There's no getting out of it, but how does the dynamic change 
when you throw in a per a, one person with one gun who knows how to use it right. and it just alters the chemistry of the situation entirely. So there's some fun sci-fi stuff there, but I don't, I don't know that I'll keep reading it just because the um, human prisoner torture kind of stuff freaks me out. You know, I'll say this. I, I don't know if this is going to be the case, but in my experience, AWA always hits that stuff really hard in like issue one. Yeah. And then kind of dials it back. Yeah. Uh, they hook you with something and then, yeah. Well, I mean, any, any, anything that's like too much of that is really hard to swallow. Like sure. Lu- Lu- Luana Vecchio's lovesick. Yeah is a really hard book to read because it just like stays on cannibalism and like dom sex party unhealthy relationships you know yeah uh for like the entirety of the series and it is like so dark yeah and it's just like god why am i buying this um but you know, there's part of all of us, I think, that has like a morbid fascination with some of this stuff. And then there's other things where it's like, yeah, that's an interesting concept. And it makes the revenge like, oh, so sweet when our heroes break free and and start kicking ass. So, yep, it'll probably be one of those things where we just it makes the revenge all too all too sweet. So we'll see. I Like I said, I'm a huge Mark Russell fan. So maybe I give this one more of a a look in, in trade form. Yep. All right, I finally read Gods. Hell yeah. I gotta hear the Mike D take. I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. It's definitely not a newbie comic. It was one of those things where I was like, okay, they're introducing some new things and some new characters. Could this be like a fun jumping on point for some of my friends who are like into reading comics but are don't understand all the lore going on. I was like, gods has the potential to create some new lore. And I think that it did. Yeah. And it's, it's setting up some interesting things and interesting like organizations that, you know, if they're, maybe they are pre-existing Marvel things and I'm just not familiar with them as much, but um, stuff that was new to me, but even still, I think probably not for somebody who is um, more of a, a comics newbie but i like the main character a lot when i saw the preview stuff for gods i was like okay this guy's like an alternate universe doctor strange he's not that it's yeah, interesting like... that his character design looks so much like a doctor strange especially on this like cover yeah and then they kind of pit him alongside or against doctor strange for a little bit and I, I was like, is that almost on purpose? Because we're like trying to differentiate these characters a little bit. But yeah, he struck me way more as like a John Constantine for Marvel. Oh, my gosh. What a fantastic way to put this. He's like, yes, yeah. he's, he's super like he casual understands and sarcastic all the and... different magic stuff. And yeah, um, I do like the fact that he has a kind of Watson a uh, character that's along for the ride. Yeah. Um and helps him out with stuff and 
gets him to like trick people or is just like more of a, a data person that isn't necessarily like the brains behind the operation. Yeah. So I thought that dynamic was really cool. The character style of his wife, ex-wife and their dynamic of being like pitted against each other, but also working together to save the world was really interesting. You got to read it, I think to get their dynamic that was too complex for me to give like a synopsis of that relationship. But I'm super interested in it. I, yeah. I don't know where it goes from here. It was very self-contained, I feel like. Yep. Um, so you could certainly read God's One and then forget it. Uh, but I'll I'll keep pulling on this thread just because it's a, it's a Hickman thing, and we'll see where it goes. I will say also, God's Two came out yesterday as of recording, yeah. and it's only $5.99. So... <laughs> That's good. Yeah. The first book was nine ninety nine, but it was yeah. all comic, no ads, and it was huge. Yeah. So if if the price tag of the first issue bummed you out, uh, it might be a little bit easier to swallow. And hasn't it been said that this is only four issues? I think so. So you you got another you know fifteen bucks versus another thirty. So. Uh, that it makes me at least... wonder, is this going to roll into the ultimate stuff at all? Man, I don't know. I don't know I what kinda, Hickman's doing with it. I kind of thought it would, but it's it's soundly based in 616 as far as I can tell, unless it's going to be a surprise that this is in the ultimate universe. That would be surprising and confusing, mm -hmm. I think, if that, if that was the reveal. Or maybe this character is someone who... Ends up hopping between. Yeah, traverses, whatever. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Could be, could be. So, yeah, I, I dug it. It was a, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was like reading four comics in a row. I mean, it was a lot of comic books, so. But it uh, it didn't feel like a slog. It was slog. fun to read. No, it yeah. didn't feel like a slog, yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. It, um, Which, honestly, like, given all the hype and what they're they said they're trying to do with this mm -hmm. series. I was surprised how entertaining and fun it was. A lot of the book, they use this <laughs> kind of trope of like trading up things. Yeah. Where our main character finds a penny on the ground, but it turns out that penny's from another universe and he trades it to a collector for a thing who then he trades to another person who needs that thing. And then he slowly finds more and more people and the things that he needs. And, and he goes I don't on a Zelda trading quest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And I don't know if his, um, if he's got like a superpower that is more or less like being able to luck into these things or see the threads that connect things to make something happen because the jumps that it takes are too far-fetched to be like not planned that was so that was like i i interpreted him because he works for what is it? she works for the powers that be and he works for like all of creation or whatever they're like two organizations that have like you know names like that yeah and he is like a laissez-faire 
you know, oh, it's it's all going to work out. It's all cool. And that's yeah. like his power is to like, oh, I see this penny. This is probably here for a reason. I'll yeah. like pick it up. And then the flip side of that coin is his wife, who's like science girl. And she's like, you got to dig down into everything. Yeah. And they're like butting heads about those two like sides of reality. Yep. It's like everything works out for him except that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> except <right>. his relationship. <laughs> except yeah. his wife. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So Good stuff. Cool. I, yeah. I love the conversation of like her being mortal and him yeah. essentially being immortal as a role with in the role he plays. And she's like, give it up or I'm taking this job. And once yeah. I take this job, we can't be together. That dynamic was really interesting. They set up this idea of, Oh, it was something like centurions or something where there's like a hundred people who hold these positions of power at this like organization. Yeah. And I think they essentially become immortals or are endowed with some sort of like all knowing library pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they're not immortal, they can science their way to immortality. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah, there's some really fun things going on here. Yeah. Okay. And then my, my last book was operation sunshine, which was a DC comic. Oh, no, dark horse. Uh, oh, sorry. Dark horse. Blah. D dark horse. Yeah. Okay. Um, David Rubens does the art on it. And then Henry Zabrowski and Marcus Parks were, I think co-wrote it. But, yep. um, have you read this? No, uh, I missed it, which sucks because I'm a huge fan of last podcast on the left. Oh, or the, I didn't put that together. Yeah. Henry and Marcus are the hosts of last podcast and they did, um, soul plumber out on DC. Oh, soul plumber that. was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is like a, a vampire story and it follows these characters who are like quote unquote bugs who are the people, the vampires turn uh -huh. and then there's OVs that they call, I think they just call like oves that are original vampires. And sure. I thought that was an interesting con. Maybe that's existing vampire lore that I'm not familiar with. But I thought it was an interesting concept that like, you know, in in traditional stuff I've seen, you bite a guy and they survive. They yeah. become a vampire just like you. Right. But here, those kind of like longstanding vampiric creatures like stay kind of the OG vampires. And yeah. then everyone else is like a, a quote unquote bug is the slang term for it. And then the vampires in addition to killing people to survive also kind of hunt these bugs to like tie up loose weird loose ends in their like lineage and stuff okay sure and so one of the bugs is like a, a guy at like a tech startup and he just turned like a month ago but he's trying to like figure out how he can try to keep his job and he made this app that like helps people facilitate and communicate about like where to find and get blood and all this stuff and sounds uh, very last podcast but like yeah tracks I, I thought it was really interesting there's like you know a decent amount of like infrastructure and bureaucracy stuff with like all the relationships between 
all the characters and different like levels of vampire. Yeah. And then um, there's a decent amount of, of action and fighting and killing. Um, that's makes the book like really charming by the end of it. You kind of have like a weird hod hodgepodge team of people that like just are completely different personality types and different people. And, you know, some have been alive for, 350 years other people just turned into vampires and then some people are there's a guy who's like thousands of years old and they just bounce off of each other in a really interesting way so i really like the book i i didn't know that these were um famous podcasters but uh david rubin is an artist that i absolutely love did that really cool kickstarter book cosmic detective with yeah. matt kent and jeff lemire um has a really unique style that like screams at you when you walk past it in a comic shop so yeah um i'll be i'll be picking this one up for sure yeah really disappointed i missed that <laughs> yeah you gotta read it Give, yeah I'll, I'll i've got a handful of things to loan you sounds like <laughs> i'll tell you guys vargas is someone you can trust with your stuff anytime i've let you borrow anything it's come back to me the next week well, I can't, uh, can't say the same about a lot of my other friends, Andy. Uh, <laughs> I I honor your reading method when I borrow your your floppies, at least. Oh, do you? Yeah, I put yeah, it on the balance it on the yep. board and barely touch the pages. <laughs> that's right. I am so anal about that stuff. I know, and that's the reason I do so well at CGC, my people. That's true. That's true. We sent in. Um, the old uh, Budget Kings comics, Mike Russo, who used to host the podcast with us, um, is looking to sell a lot of his comics. Oh, okay. And he's got a handful of key books. So I helped him submit a lot of stuff. And today they were in Missouri. We live in Kansas City, Missouri. So Ooh. I'm thinking they'll arrive tomorrow. So we might record a uh, a little opening video for the patreon hell yeah and and post that this weekend if if we can meet up and make that happen but his collection was we were packing stuff for it and i was like it was kind of brutal seeing these books that were like 300 to 500 dollar comics that just had a tick or a ding in them and yeah. i'm like man all of these like best case scenario or nine sixes and it's you just like leaving so much potential value on the table if you're trying to like if his goal is to sell them you know what i mean right right um and so much of that i think comes down to like the shop that he was buying them from at the time which was clint's yeah which i think is where you still get your comics yeah and may and um, hopefully they've gotten better but you know we talked uh, the other day about how there was like another leak in their roof and like that's something that used to happen all the time there. And then the people at the counter like clobber your comics as they're like checking you out and have like clammy hands and your books are all smeared. Yeah. And uh, it's just, a, it's just a bummer to buy your comics from a shop that like doesn't understand collecting. Right. Um, which while we're, readers and love the medium and obviously read shit tons of comics like i get it it's about reading comics and stuff but it's 
an, a nice side effect of it is that some of this stuff holds their value. And then, yeah. when, you know, every, when every single comic you buy comes out like with a ding or a dent or a fingerprint on the cover, that's just like, is hard to stomach after a while. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's fine enough when like 95% of your books just end up as like 50 Nothing. cent, but yeah. you know, the other 5% that are <laughs> actually worth something you want to keep nice yeah for sure and yeah my 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 reading time probably is much lower than a lot of slower than a lot of people because i treat like i treat every book as if it were like <laughs> the next something is killing the children i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well, careful with everything that's why you're mike 9.8 to stacy yeah <laughs> great track record on cgc uh well Speaking of Patreon, we have a Patreon. Yep. Patreon.com slash First Club. Check us out there. Uh, in addition to these weekly vids, we do weekly Patreon. Uh, if not more, we post a bunch of stuff there. Uh, written reviews and lists and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, we try and keep it cheap. It's what, $3.99 a month? Yeah. Price of what a comic book used to be, not adjusted for inflation. That's right. Uh, eventually, we're like we're, gonna... the, we're like Costco over here, we're still selling the two ninety nine hot dog or whatever it is. Yeah, eventually we're gonna go to nine ninety nine, but it's all ads. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, we won't do that. So um, when we all we do offer a dollar, uh, you know, just trial. a taste tier. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I release. Uh, one video a month for that so you can see what you're getting uh, and the other thing to remember is we release all the regular episodes on YouTube now so if yep. you want to see our shiny happy faces head over to YouTube and check us out uh, one last thing I'll, I'll add is that I've got um, LA Comic Con that I'm heading to in less than a Ooh. month so if there's anything you want to know or hear or see about any of the people at LA Comic Con, or if you're an OG fan and have something like an exclusive you see, maybe there's a chance I can grab something for you that's at LA and hopefully I can get it back on a plane okay or ship it back to myself and have stuff stay in okay condition. But anymore, it's like you can get almost any con exclusive online. Yeah a lot of the times for less than you paid for it at a convention, which sucks. Hey, but a lot of the times for a lot more than what you pay. That's true. Yeah. So. You never know what it's going to be. It's you're yeah. going to leave the convention and it's either going to be half of what it used to be, or it's going to double immediately. Yep. Um, so yeah, we'll be there. And then um, with, I'll be there with budget King. So I'll have another podcaster there to kind of do some takes cool. with me. And then, the three of us, I think, are going to, you, me, and Greg, are going to hopefully try to go to um, C2E2 next year if we can make it happen. So yeah. we'll see about that. But keep keep your keep your ears peeled for more details. I don't think we're going to do a panel or anything at C2E2. Maybe we should try to. Sure. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I always do every year I do a podcast meetup there and it's a lot of fun. You just like, I just trade cards with people and we just BS about each other's podcasts and stuff. Yeah. It's a good time. Totally. Really fun con. If you've never been, I haven't. So 
yeah it's great it's a blast you'll you'll absolutely love it dope well uh that does it for this episode thanks for hanging out with us uh we'll see you next week follow us on social medias smash that like button (laughs) What what am i forgetting nothing that's it bye bye First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Lichtig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club. And check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club. <laughs>